Hello, Valley Christian Church. Who is excited to be here with us today? Whether you're here live, whether you're here joining us online on the chat, thank you for being a part of this awesome worship experience. And I believe that God has something extremely special today just for you. That's right, you and your family. We've been in a series so far called The Blessed Life. And this is actually the final chapter in this series that we have been doing for quite some time. And this has been powerful, what we've been uncovering through God's word in this series. We've been focusing on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and the many profound, just countercultural teachings that Jesus has in that and how we can apply those teachings to our life so that we can live truly happy lives. And I believe that this message is not just the final one of those teachings that we are going to be covering, but I believe that this message will greatly change the trajectory of your life from here on out if you apply it to your life. Before we get into that, though, Valley family, I want to ask a question in here today. Uh, I want to see if you guys are kind of where I'm at. I want to ask this question. How do you handle pressure? When difficult things are happening in your life, what's your way of putting on a release valve to get some of the tension out. There was a recent article that came out that talked about all the different ways that people have been doing this, especially during uh, COVID-19 and much of the political and racial tension. And I just want to take some of the fun ones that were on that list and just have a little bit of uh, crowd participation today. So here it is, multiple choice question. How do you handle pressure? Are you A, are you a stress eater? Are you somebody that when life gets hard, you pull out the ice cream, you get the chips or the cookies out the pantry, and you go ahead and veg out? Are you someone that loves to stress watch TV? Are you an individual that likes to put on a good old season of The Office or Friends or some other type of programming? I've never seen Friends a day in my life. I don't know why I said Friends. But either way, are you someone that likes to watch television when you feel stressed out? Are you a stress? sleeper? Are you an individual where life is so difficult that for whatever reason, despite all the things you know you need to get done, you also need to take a nap first? I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people. Are you one of those individuals that is a stress shopper? Meaning when life gets difficult, when life gets stressful, for whatever reason, there are packages coming to your house from Amazon that you know you did not need, but they make you feel better. Or maybe you're like some people, just all of the above. You do all of it. Think about it for a sec. And on the count of three, I want you to type it in the chat. I want you to let your neighbor know which letter are you. Are you A, B, C, D, or E? Three, two, one. Listen, Valley family, I am 100% E. I have done all of these things. Thank you all for participating and being honest about where you're at. But I also need to confess another thing to you. When I get stressed out, when I feel pressure in my life, I feel so weird saying this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I feel when I feel pressure in my life, the one thing that usually helps me feel better is watching the president's speech from Independence Day. For whatever reason, it just gives fuel to my body and just helps me think that I can continue on. And a lot of you think I'm joking. I'm so serious, I brought the clip. So let's watch together 90 seconds of the president's speech from the Independence Day movie. Let's check it out. Good 
Morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. I now take that entire speech and apply it to 2020. Like 2020 has been that bad that I have to remind myself that we have to fight. We're going to survive. We're going to make it. But either way, that's how I deal with it. And I'm trying to be funny here, but there's something serious about what we are experiencing right now in our culture, in this time in history, unprecedented things, things that honestly feels like it's gonna overtake us if we're not careful. Many of us have felt for months, maybe even this entire year, maybe even most of our lives, a level of pressure that is not only present, but feels like it is capable of crushing us. And the struggle is real because you might be in here, you might be watching right now, and you may know full well that your marriage is struggling that your finances are struggling, that your faith in God is struggling, that your relationship with your children is struggling. And I just need to salute each and every parent in here that is preparing to figure out a way how they're going to educate their child while they're staying at home certain days or going to school other days, maybe not going to school at all. And you're trying to figure out what is the best way for you to have your child be educated and, 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 and to do what's right by them. This is hard, man. This is difficult. And I believe that today's teaching Today's teaching will not only show us a powerful truth about Jesus, but when we apply it in the right context, it is pivotal to help us relieve of some of the pressure that many of us are dealing with in our lives right now. 
This passage that we're going to be focusing on actually comes from Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 17. And again, if you are new with us, we've been in this series called The Blessed Life, where we've been focusing on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous uh, series of teachings that he did at one single time. And we talked about how Jesus talked about how certain individuals are blessed, are happy, that oftentimes we wouldn't consider to be that way. People like peacemakers, people like those that are persecuted, people like those that are in mourning. But Jesus Jesus, after saying all of those things and after mentioning that we are supposed to be salt and light, says these powerful words here, starting at verse 17. He says this, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will be by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now, when we read this in our 2020 American mindset, we have no idea really what Jesus is talking about. But when we look at it from the context of those that were hearing it for the first time that fully understood what he was talking about, this was a monumental truth bomb to the audience. And in order for us to understand that, first we need to have a proper understanding of the prophets and the law. What does Jesus mean when he says that? Now, there's some people here right now watching right now that have probably grown up in church and you've had some familiarity with somebody talking about the law. And often people associate the law with the Ten Commandments. Maybe even if you're really churched, you know uh, about the book of Leviticus and uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers, the books of the Bible that we always skip during our yearly Bible reading plan. But either way, Many of us associate it with that. But the thing that oftentimes a lot of us don't realize is that the law is actually telling a story. And the story goes like this, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything that he made was good. His most prized creation was man. It was the only thing made in his image. And he wanted to have a relationship with man. But man actually ruined that relationship because of sin. But God still loved mankind. And he decided that he was going to come up with a plan in order to bring back a relationship with man by eradicating the penalty of sin, which was death. So he decides that he's going to use this plan uh, he was going to do this plan by using the descendants of a man named Abraham. And these descendants of Abraham are known as the children of Israel. The children of Israel, the people of Israel, were once slaves to the land of Egypt, but were one day delivered by God. And as they were on their journey of deliverance from Egypt to a new promised land, there happened to be a moment where God gave them a, a, an agreement. He gave them a covenant saying, listen, if you abide by these rules, then you and me will have relationship. And that's what we originally know as, yes, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, honor your father and your mother, those commandments. But something interesting happens. Even though they are given these commandments as an agreement in order to have a relationship with them and God, they end up short, shortly after receiving these commandments, breaking these commandments, breaking these laws. And because they broke these laws, suddenly more rules get added in order to keep the relationship. But then they break the rules again. And now more rules get added to keep this relationship. And then uh, they break the rules again. And the cycle continues over and over and over until there is 613 commandments in order for them to keep a relationship with God. 
And Moses, who was the person that led Israel out of Egypt, was the one that said, listen, it is impossible for you guys to actually live according to these principles because you have a bad heart. You, your heart is broken. It, it, it has sin deep embedded in it. And in order for you to live a new life, you need a new heart. So that brings the next part of the story, which is the prophets, because the prophets continue what happens. Uh, they continue to tell what happens with Israel, but they also start to prophesy that there is a Messiah coming. There is a deliverer coming, and this deliverer will bring a new heart to the people that want to receive it. So now we make it to this part of Matthew chapter 5, and what Jesus is saying is that he is the fulfillment of the story. He is the hero that they have been waiting for. He is going to come, and he's going to live by the ultimate principle that he is going to love God uh, with all of his heart, soul, and mind, and he is also going to love his neighbor as he loves himself, and him following this to the point of being completely sinless will be the sacrifice to die on the cross for our sins so that we may have new life. Jesus is saying that he is the completion of the Old Testament and is also saying that he will now bring a new era, a new way of interacting with God that never existed before. Let me be clear about this real quick. I am not saying that the Old Testament is not valid. It is still an incredible way for us to see the nature of God. It is still an incredible way for us to learn and connect and, and to get deep, wise principles for our own life. But the way that we used to interact with God in the Old Testament is no longer the way we interact with God today. And I believe that this is powerful for this reason. Because even though that is the old way, even though we are now living in a new era, thanks to Jesus, many of us still don't realize it. And many of us are adding unnecessary pressure to our lives in order to live according to something that no longer exists. So for the rest of our time today, I want to talk about the three areas of unnecessary pressure that we often put on our lives that Jesus has ushered in a new era that we can be different from. The first thing that I believe Jesus wants to deliver us from is the pressure to perform. See, in our world, we are moved by the idea of looking good even when things aren't good. We know what it's like to post a happy picture of our family knowing that we were all arguing before and after the picture. We all have text somebody LOL think, saying something was funny when we didn't laugh at all. We have all done that thing where somebody says, hey, how are you? How's your day going? And you say, everything is great. I'm blessed. Everything is wonderful. Knowing that internally our lives are actually falling apart. And part of that is just the normal thing of life because we have to protect ourselves. We can't be vulnerable with everybody. We know that there is a chance that we could get hurt. Yet at the same time, we can often apply this idea of looking good even when we're not good to our faith. And I know because I was the biggest culprit of it. See, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was so gung-ho about being a good Christian. 
I wanted to be sure that I would be considered one of the good guys when my day was over. And I remember I would read my Bible and I would try to learn about Jesus and what Jesus as a good Christian is. And I would notice that the people that Jesus was always angry at were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the professional Christians of the day. They literally did everything from the way that they dressed to the way that they spoke to indicate spiritual superiority. And I figured that if I wanted to follow Jesus, that I need to be better than those guys. And that's not just something I made up. In fact, it says it in his word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20 says this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I wanted to be sure that I entered into the kingdom of heaven. So I created in my mind what was a Christian scorecard and what I needed to do to be sure that I got the most points when it came to my Christian score. So I started bombarding people with Bible verses. I started trying to pray these incredible, just uh, moving prayers. I started to judge people sometimes because they weren't Christians or they weren't open to Christianity as if they were Christians and were agreed to live to my lifestyle in the first place. I was becoming that Christian that people always love to hate, which was so ironic because in my mind, I was doing everything possible to be sure I could be counted as a good Christian. And it eventually came to my mind after I was talking to my cousin about why he should come to Jesus. I said, hey, man, you need to come to Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus. He was like, listen, man, it just seems like too much rules for me. And I was like, nah, man, like, you know, the rules, that, those were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were all about the rules. And he was like, well, listen, you say that, but when I look at your life, I see no difference. Now, that was cold. That messed me up. And it caused for me to say, you know what? I am so busy trying to put a pressure on myself to perform and look like an image of Jesus that I am actually doing a terrible job at letting people see why he is worth following. So I remember hearing something that I thought was so powerful and dynamic, and I actually want to share it with you today. This has released me of all pressure when it comes to this area of my life. And that's this. I'm not focused on being a good Christian. I'm focused on being an honest Christian. And what that means is that I no longer focus too much on trying to tell people what they should and should not do. I just try to let them know that I can understand where they're coming from. But God did something in my life. Oh, you're stressed out and you feel like you're not sure if you're going to make it. I know I've been there, too. I'm feeling how you feel, too. But I believe in a God that's going to take care of me. And he's brought me out of darkness before. And I believe he will bring me out of this dark situation again. Man, you're struggling with your relationships right now. And it feels like everything you touch turns to dust. Listen, I feel you. I've been there, too. But my God can restore, my God can heal, my God can make new, and he's done it in my life, and I believe he will do it again. Man, you, 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 you sometimes fall asleep when you're trying to pray and read your Bible, and sometimes you don't fully understand what the Bible is saying in the first place, and you're just trying to figure out how to trust in God. I've been there too. I know exactly what you feel. But I believe in a God 
that when I seek him, when I knock, when I do whatever it takes, he will find me. And I believe that every time he looks for me the same way I look for him, that there will be change in my life. And I may not understand everything. I may not be able to comprehend it all. But one thing is for sure. I know that he is real and he is for me. And that level of honesty, that level of difference has brought more change to my life. It has brought more people to Christ because of my testimony than me ever trying to project some level of piety, of piety to other people. But that's just the first thing. The second thing that I believe we can relieve ourselves of the pressure of is the pressure to portray power. See, the pressure to perform is the idea of looking morally superior. But the pressure to portray power is the idea of looking emotionally stronger than we really are. And we love the idea of strength. We love the idea of looking up to people and, and people looking up to us as a source of somebody that we can lean on to find strength from. Can I just be honest? One of the people that I have just been astounded by, I've spent all week watching his movies, listening to his interviews, learning more about him, and I am talking about Chadwick Boseman. And Chadwick Boseman, if you don't know who he is, was an incredible actor. He's done some incredible films. And unfortunately, uh, at the time of, that I'm talking, he lost his life less than a week ago due to a battle with colon cancer. And his most famous role was the Black Panther uh, role in the Black Panther movie, which I love a lot. In fact, I am such a, my whole family is actually a big fan of Black Panther, and I actually have the proof. So I don't celebrate Halloween, my family doesn't celebrate Halloween, but for Christmas, we decided that we were gonna do a costume party, and literally almost all the men dressed up as Black Panther. Here's the proof. Like, that's just some of us. There were others that didn't make it into the picture. We all decided to be Black Panther because we thought, we, we still think that Black Panther is so cool, that he's such a uh, great superhero, and Chadwick Boseman did such a great job acting in that role. But the thing that I, the reason why I really bring him up is not just because of that role, but it was because that he actually acted, or he actually uh, filmed that movie with colon cancer along with several other films, and nobody even knew getting treatment and surgery for colon cancer and nobody even knew because of the level of work ethic that he had. So, so many people have been talking about how he wasn't just a great actor, but also this man was the epitome of strength. And that's powerful. That's been a motivation to me all week. But I also need to be honest with you, Valley Family, I've experienced an idea of strength that wasn't always healthy. Some would even call it toxic. I even remember how I was in certain circles and they said, hey man, if you really wanna be a strong man, don't show emotion. Hey, if you, if you wanna really be a strong man, then you, you, you have to uh, have an appearance of hardness. You have to not smile in your pictures and let people know that you're not someone to mess with. 
hey, you want to be a strong man, then you need to be willing to fight anybody that, that, that challenges you to show them who's boss. And I believed a lot of that for a big portion of my life. And that actually ended up crashing down on me not too long ago when I went on a trip with my wife somewhere. See, me and my wife, uh, I believe this was the first year or maybe second year of our marriage, uh, we always loved to do fun things together. We didn't have any kids then, so we would always try to find something fun, whether it was hiking, whether it was zip lining, whether it was visiting a, a city for the weekend. And, and the thing that my wife always wanted to do was go kayaking on the Hudson River. And I did not want to do this whatsoever for two reasons. First and foremost, I think the Hudson River is gross. I've heard stories about things and people that get put in the Hudson River. I didn't want to be one of those items that ends up in that situation. But also, and this is actually more of the reason, I can't swim. Stereotypical, I know, I'm working on it. Let me be on my journey, no judgment here. But either way, I can't swim. And the idea of being in a situation where I would have to try to swim myself out of the Hudson River was terrifying to me. And I don't know if, I, if, if, if it's just me. I don't know. Maybe you guys on the chat know what I'm talking about. I have had times in my life where I know I have a fear and the fear is irrational. But for whatever reason, I start to make it get bigger and bigger in my head, which causes for me to have like even more anxiety about it. And that's what happened. My wife said, we are going on this kayaking trip. We get to the kayaking place and I am terrified. I am so, I, in my mind, I'm gonna die today. Today is the day that I die. But because of all of the things I heard about how to show toughness and strength, I decided to cover it up and be as hard as possible. So I'm walking around just looking like a mean boss and, and, and people are like, hey, are you ready to have a good time? And I'm like, yeah. Don't worry about it. Just, you know, let me do my thing, all right? Hey, back up off me, bro. And he's like, I'm just giving you your life jacket, sir. I'm just doing my job. Whatever, give it. And I'm, I'm doing all of these things to kind of show off that I'm tough, to show off that, that, that I'm strong, when in reality I was scared. And eventually it was about 20 of us. We all get in the kayaks and we all start going on the, the Hudson River and everybody's having a good time and taking pictures, including my wife. My wife left me, guys. My wife was nowhere to be found. She was living her best life. And I was still barely off the shore and I remember the instructor that was with us he looked back and he was like hey man you all right and I was like yeah and he was like uh okay uh hey man you don't got a lot of me are you scared and I was like yeah <laughs> like the crack in my voice completely completely ruined whatever strength that I was trying to portray and he was like, listen, man, it, it, this happens all the time. You're not the only one that's ever been nervous about this. But can I show you something? And I was like, okay, cool. And he took his kayak raft and he stuck it in the water to show that the water was very shallow. And he said, listen, man, you will never be more than four feet deep this entire time. I promise you are going to live. You have nothing to be afraid of. And when he told me that, that gave me the confidence to enjoy the rest of my trip. And I was able to take pictures and enjoy the rest of my time while I was doing that thing. And, and, and the reason why I bring this story up is for this very big reason. Is that my confidence did not grow because of my facade of strength. My confidence grew when I admitted my weakness.
I was so caught up in the idea of being strong that it was actually to the detriment of myself. And the reason why I was able to find the strength to move forward not was, was not because I decided to continue on in that way, but because I decided to admit that I needed help. And many of us are feeling the pressure right now to be the strong person in the house, to be the strong person in the marriage, to be the strong person at the job, to be the strong person in the family, only to feel the pressure and to know that I don't actually know what I'm doing. I'm scared. I don't think I'm going to make it. And can I encourage you today with this truth that first off, you're not alone. In fact, if you're watching on the chat, encourage somebody, tell somebody you're not alone. In here, tell somebody you're not alone. But know that you're not just alone. Know also that there is a God that will give strength to those that are weak. The Apostle Paul, one of the epitomes of strength in the New Testament, he wrote majority of the New Testament. He evangelized and uh, started churches that still have effects on our history to this day. Mentions one time when he was dealing with a weakness and a struggle. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 8. Three times I begged the Lord to make this suffering go away. But he replied, my kindness is all you need. My power is strongest when you are weak. So if Christ keeps, keeps giving me his power, I will gladly brag about how weak I am. Yes, I am glad to be weak or insulted or mistreated or to have troubles and suffering if it is for Christ. Because when I am weak, I am strong. You will be more strong with Jesus on your side than you will ever be by yourself today. Whatever you feel like is going to crush you, whatever has you feeling scared, whatever has you feeling like you just can't move forward, if you give it to God, you will see things that you will never be able to comprehend or muster with your own strength. The pressure of doing things on your own, the pressure of making it look like you got it taken care of is unnecessary because Jesus has fulfilled what it is needed in order for you to live a life with him by your side. And this brings me to my final point. The third thing that I believe we can remove the unnecessary pressure of is the pressure to lose proper perspective. This year has been heavy in every way. And the unfortunate part is, it's still not done. There's no guarantee that tomorrow will get better. And often, because of this uncertainty, it's so easy for us to get swept up and distracted with all of the different things, the political views, the racial tensions, the issues going on with the pandemic that are causing for people to just kind of lose themselves. Because right now, 
we can get so caught up in the idea that things are gonna be better once a specific type of politician is in office. Things are gonna get better once these specific groups of people decide to see things our way and, and, and follow with the policies that we would want. Things are gonna be so much better once we eradicate this pandemic, or certain people may say once the truth comes out that this pandemic was never real at all. But I wanna challenge you with this, is that whatever power that you might be leaning on as a solution to the issues that you are dealing with right now. It cannot compare to the power that Jesus Christ has to save, to deliver, to set free, to make new, to make whole. I believe that there is more power in Jesus' name than there is in any political candidate today. I believe there is more healing and power in the name of Jesus than in any vaccine that can be distributed. I believe in a God that is so powerful that if we trust in him, he will make it so that we will not only see the goodness of God in the land of the living, but we will be able to feel the level of stress and pressure come off of us. The one issue with that is that busyness will always war against your awareness of God. And the level of things that we're busy with, the, the, the difficult circumstances that are causing for us to not pray as much as we would or, or read our Bible as much as we often used to, is causing for the God of our lives to just become smaller and smaller when he is bigger than we could ever imagine. So as we close, I want to do something different. As we end this series, as we enter into a new month and many people going back to school and other situations coming down the horizon, I want us to just close with us having a larger awareness of God. I want to worship to this song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And I don't want you to get distracted with the word altar. I just want you to focus on, let us come to Jesus. His arms are open wide, ready to take our fears, our worries, our weaknesses, and show us how he is the fulfillment he is the hero at the end of our story that we can rely on. Let's worship together.
mistakes come today there's no reason to wait cause Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born cause Jesus is calling no come to Valley, will you pray with me? Thank you, Savior. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live to the old way of living. Our performance will not bring us salvation. Lord, us trying to be stronger or to portray ourselves stronger than we really are is not impressive to you. And Father, no matter what the political tensions and other issues that are happening around us, it is still nowhere near as powerful as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who you are. So we come to you today thanking you for all that you are and for all that you've done. And for any person in here that is feeling pressure, that is feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders, that is feeling uncertainty anxiety, fear, we cast it on you today. We give it to you today. Knowing, Father, you can do more with this than we could ever with our own strength and power. We thank you and we love you. And if you are someone today that wants to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to receive this gift that he has for you, I just want you to repeat uh, these words after me with this truth, knowing first that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's with that that we pray this prayer. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. Thank you 
for stepping in the gap for me. Thank you for changing my story today. Thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name.